Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. I think we could all use a little love in our lives. How about a love necklace? from Del Pozo Jewelry. Floating 14 karat gold and white diamond initials that send love vibes to a world that needs it so badly. What you believe in is what you are. Believe in love with the love necklace. Go to delpozojewelry.luxury. That's D-E-L-P-O-Z-Z-O jewelry.luxury for your love necklace. Welcome back, warrior women. In this episode, we continue our deep dive into the word devotion. Today, we're talking about devotion to yourself. My guest believes that life is too short to be spending your days doing something that doesn't make you happy, and she made a major career change to do just that. Are you devoted to yourself, your happiness? Are you devoted to putting yourself first? If not, don't worry. This podcast is for you. But first, I have a new sponsor. It's the Business Relationship Alliance. That's the Bra Network, guys. I love the Bra Network. It's a network of female entrepreneurs that lift and support each other. Guys, I love this group. I've talked about it many times. They believe in collaboration over competition. They hire women in their own network first, and they have amazing elevated networking events and courses. I've taken many of them. Guys, I can't say enough about the Bra Network. Use my code WARRIOR for 10% off an annual membership. Okay, on with the show today, we have my good friend, Amy Young. Amy Young coming all the way from New Jersey, but I've moved her to California in my mind. Amy Young is the founder and CEO of Redefine Possibility, a media platform and coaching service for successful women who long to lead a more purpose-driven life. The company helps people who are feeling unfulfilled and burned out and for a change and redefine their possibility for more and create an action plan for a new life. That sounds like maybe finding a life that you love. That's what I think. Okay, let's do it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. I know. we. I love being here. First of all, we do this all the time. Like we love to hop in a Zoom and just talk. Like you you and I, you're like one of the few Zooms that I'm like, yes, I got to get on there. (laughs) That's an honor because I feel like every day more and more people fall off that list. Oh, it's true. And it's, you know what? And Zoom fatigue is real. So we don't, we don't want to hit anybody in the nuts there or in the, in the lady, lady balls. Amy, we met through the Bra Network, which, you know, I love to bring up every single podcast for fun. We were on a Wednesday wisdom call and we fell in love and you asked me to hop on a Zoom and then we got to know each other. And now you're in the LA chapter of more than me. Cause you know, I guys, I don't, I need more than one lady gang. I need two. So I brought a network of more than me. So now she's in more than me. I brought her right in, but I digress. Amy, tell me about you. I like to go to the beginning. I want to really know you. And this, I don't know. What were you like as a little girl? What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh gosh. Um, I, so I used to love the Jaws series. <laughs> I, was I really like don't know where you're heart. going with this. And that scares me and makes me excited at the same time. With horror movies. 
My favorite movie was Jaws 3. For those who are, I'm totally dating myself a bit here, but Jaws 3 is the one with Dennis Quaid, and it is Jaws in 3D. So, (laughs) but I became obsessed with dolphins because of that movie, because basically the the movie takes place at like SeaWorld, basically. And so Jaws attacks SeaWorld. And there are these dolphin trainers and I became infatuated with dolphins, like bought every book. Like, so I wanted to be a marine biologist. That was my first, like, you know, crush on a job. Um, and then I took biology sophomore year in high school and quickly decided that that was not for me. (laughs) It's like, wait, I actually, this is not as fun as watching the dolphins. I know. No, I mean, I can't just throw them fish and teach them how to hop up and down. (laughs) Then I stumbled upon what really became my biggest career love, um, which was television. My um, high school actually had a television studio and our town um, had a local access channel that was powered by this television studio. So when I was a sophomore in high school, I pivoted from biology to entertainment (laughs) and started taking production classes and started talking a lot more in front of the camera and really kind of became in love with the business of television and just threw myself into that, majored in it in college, got my first job out of college in TV and went from there. No, but see, this is this is where it gets weird for me because when I first met you, I was like, oh, and you were talking about this corporate thing and you worked at Google. And then I was like, but on your little thing, it says life coach. I was so confused. I was like, how did you, that is like a sharp damn left. So explain to me what was your career and journey before you became a life coach? Like where, where, where were you before that? Cause now you're a life coach, but I'm, I'm wondering how that led to this. Yeah. So never would have guessed it in a million years, but yeah. So my first job, right. Like the week after I graduated years ago was for the CBS television network. Um, I was an assistant working with the local affiliates around the country. So like the local stations And I was in that department for about four years, decided I wanted to go learn about the cable industry. So I went to go work at a very small independent cable network and I was traveling around the country pitching um, like Comcast to help carry our little network, which was the Oxygen Network back at the time it was still owned by Oprah. So everybody called me like Oprah girl, even though I had no idea, like she had no idea existed, but then was asked to come back to CBS and be a part of their business development group and help them build new businesses, which I absolutely loved and did for nine years. I helped them build the video on demand product and kind of saw that from start to finish um, and built, helped build it into what it is today. I will admit, I think starting at about the end of that nine years in that role, that's where I started to feel a little bit of unrest but I didn't really know what that meant and what that was. And in that time, I'd also had three kids and gotten married and life just was- You were just on the hamster wheel, just spinning it around because you were just- Yeah. 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 So I took, at the end of that nine year stint in business development, I took another role within CBS working for the president of ad sales in a strategic capacity, trying to help them figure out how to bridge the divide between digital and traditional ad sales. That feeling, you know, that gut feeling that like there's Mm. just- something more, something's not really Hmm. working, continued. And though I loved the people and I loved the company, 
that feeling just didn't sit right with me. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, I've been at this company for so long. Maybe it's just time to go to a different yeah, maybe company. Maybe you need to move on. Like, I mean, you're a young right. person. You've been at the place, same place for a hundred years. Yeah. Maybe it was right. just, you did change. So um, it just about around that time, you know, Google reached out to see if I would be interested in taking a role with them in their partnerships group, overseeing their relationships with uh, television companies for their advertising technology. And so I figured, well, if there's a company you leave CBS for, it's Google. And I wanted some free food. And you know, the right. whole, they're the doing whole well over there. Let me head over there. No. So I made the leap and I went over there and honestly, quickly realized it was not a good fit for me. But being the type A overachiever that I am, instead of really kind of reflecting on why that was, all I did was push harder right? Like if I just work harder, if I just work more, if I just put myself out there, if I continue to force it, it will come, it will come. And that really led me to burnout to the point where I was having panic attacks, like Mm. things that I normally wouldn't bat an eye at doing, whether it was giving a presentation or leading a contract negotiation, I would fall apart. Like my mind would just go blank and I would start hyperventilating. I mean, it was... Mm was shaming. It was embarrassing. It was, you know, it was just not me. And um, so when I reached kind of a, a, a low point one night, just having a, a breakdown, honestly, in my basement while I was doing laundry and my Blackberry kept buzzing. I mean, Blackberry. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> I know. I just, I had this moment where I said, you know what, I'm actually more afraid of what's going to happen if I don't make a change right. than, than if I do. And so I started on this journey to figuring out what was next. Uh, you know and, what? I feel like that is such a story of women. Like, I mean, I'm a little type A too, and I will just try to make something work. But it's what's funny is I will get to the point like exactly where, where I'm almost sick. I'm almost physically ill. And so I I almost physically have to stop myself because I'll push myself and I'll try to be like, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And then I'll be like, oh my God, my back. I feel sick. I'm really tired, like whatever it is. Right. And like, that will be the thing that ends up stopping me. Or I'll just be like, I'm so depressed. Like I'm so, I'm so down. Like I feel so uninspired. You know, I think a lot of women do that. Like they don't want to admit, Oh, maybe this is a mistake or maybe like this pivot's not working for me. So instead we're just like, no, 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 it's going to work. I'm going to make it work, you know? And then it doesn't until it doesn't. Totally. And it manifests for everyone in different ways. I mean, for me, it was mentally for some, it is physically right. They suddenly sicknesses that were long dormant in our systems, just choose that time to attack. Right. It it ends up manifesting itself in a very, very unhealthy way that oftentimes sets us back much further than if we had just dealt with the unrest head on. But what was, so how did you make the jump to a career that you actually loved, first of all, and that, cause that's a brave thing, but you're basically saying you got pushed to the corner and there was nothing else you could do. It was almost like you had no other option, but also I know that that's not easy, you know, when, especially cause you took a major gear shift change. It wasn't like you were like, I'm going to work at this other company. You're like, yeah. I'm going to be me here in my house. Just going to light it on fire and walk away. Exactly. <laughs> so I had what... The get what a couple of things happened. One, I spent a little bit of time trying to just sit with myself and get clarity. So one of the best gifts that I ever gave myself was I went to 
two different retreats and, and conferences over my last kind of six to eight months within Google. Um, one was a women's leadership course and another was a personal development retreat. That was the first time in a long time that I had ever really had quiet time to think and reflect about at this point in my life, what's working, what's not working. And the poignant question for me was when I'm 80 and I look back on my life, what is going to have mattered to me? What kind of impact do I want to make? And so starting from the answers that I had to those questions, that put me on the path to kind of figuring out what this next phase of my life looked like. So when I started to look back at the things that I had enjoyed over my career, um, things like building a business, um, giving presentations, working with people, One of the seeds that had been planted very early on that I never allowed myself to listen to was that I had worked with a life coach relatively early on at CBS, maybe closer to midway. Someone you had hired for you? Actually, if I'm being completely honest, I've always been kind of a self-help junkie. Oh no, me too. Me too. I would be the person in Barnes and Noble, like in, that was my section. Like I felt no shame in sitting in that section, like looking at every book. Yes. Yes. I loved it. And so I ended up hiring a coach uh, relatively early on. I think it was after I had my second child to just try and figure out how to handle all of the change and be a mom and wife and, you know, executive at the same time. And I loved the process, like loved it, loved my coach. And at the time I remember thinking, you know, I think there's something here. I really think this is something that I might want to do someday, but you know, I mean, it's like, a life coach? Really? Like yeah. we were still, we've come a long way in accepting that. I think. Oh my God. I remember it was such like a dirty word. Like for, I, I think especially now it's become like, great. I mean, there, listen, a lot of people are like life coaches, but we need a lot of them. <laughs> so yes. who cares? Um, but, but it has, it was, it had a bad connotation. I think that's kind of passed now. Cause I think people realize they are valuable. Yes. So that seed was actually planted really a long time ago for me. And I never really allowed myself to take it seriously. It didn't make sense. It didn't check the boxes. You know, it wasn't society's definition of, you know, success for me or what I thought that that was. And so I didn't listen to it. And then when I hit my lowest point, I said, Amy, you have got to do something to lean into your gifts and use your brain again, but in a way that you really want to. So that day I went online and I was looking at certification courses and found a school for um, certification. It was a nine month program. And it just so happened about the time that my certification was coming through was the time that my contract with Google was coming up. And I decided I talked with you, my family about it and decided that, you know, it was, if it's not now, when, and so it's time to take the leap and leave. And it was, Absolutely. One of the most terrifying. I was just going to say, were you at that point excited? Like you were like, it's going to happen. Or were you like, it's going to happen. Oh my God. Oh, totally the latter. Because one, I had a lot of excitement about it, but if I'm being honest, there was still a lot of shame wrapped up for me in, you know, leaving Google feeling like something was wrong with me because it wasn't like you failed for some reason versus like making a change and doing something you want to do. It seemed like you were like, you felt like you were maybe acting like, oh, I had to give up. I failed. Yeah. Right. 
So it's, I am now totally over that, but it took me a little while to get there. And it was interesting because in my last weeks there, when I had, and people were so supportive and honestly, the people there were wonderful throughout my two years um, at the company. But when I announced what I was doing, the amount of people that put special time on my calendar and pulled me aside and just confided in me that they really wanted to make a change, that they were oh, unhappy. Isn't that so sad they, though? You know, and that's the way I felt about it was first of all, I was like, well, I didn't do this to be an example. <laughs> I did this no, because but that's amazing though. Cause you see how many people are kind of like tortured and whatever they're doing. And that was how I knew. Yeah. That what that gave me the strength to really walk away saying people need me to tell my story. People need me to be strong and do this and do it well and use yeah. my voice so that less life is too short to be spending your days doing something that makes you unhappy. Totally. Well, what was the hard about hardest part about making that change? Oh gosh. Honestly, losing the steady paycheck, if I'm being completely honest, like I did not realize, and and maybe it tends a little bit more toward the traditional definition of ego. Like I never would have thought myself to be a person that, that had an ego, but when I was stripped away from the big salary and the title and the company, well, part of that was freeing, you know, once you get past those first few months and the shine kind of wears off you do, or at least I did struggle with that existential, like, okay, well, who am I without all of this? Because this has been how I've defined myself for the last almost 20 years. Right. So what's my real worth now? Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's why you call yourself redefine possibility because you had to redefine that obviously. 100%. I mean, I've completely redefined my It wasn't about the money. It, and if it was about the money, you would have stayed at Google, ascended the heavens, become like some huge Google girl and just stayed there like a miserable person. But that wasn't what, it, that was not your path, obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm so grateful. Oh, I'm so oh my grateful. God, I'm so grateful. Journey. Tell me, what have you had? This Because I, this is, this is what I think is amazing about being a life coach. Because I know a couple of you now and they're all like really good friends. I always think it's so funny when people become therapists and life coaches, because what you do is as you're coaching someone else, you're like, oh, damn, I do that too. (laughs) Right. You're like, wow, she can't get over him. Oh shit. I can't get over him. Like that. You know, you just, you know, the things you just realize about yourself. So what have you had to kind of embrace about yourself so you could live like your most vibrant and full life? Oh my gosh. So many things. (laughs) And yes, the amount of times I get off a session and I'm like, gosh, that sounded great. If I could, you know, if I could really take that advice, I'd really go places. <laughs> I know, you know, I've really had to, one of the big gifts of going through just the whole process of becoming a coach, you do a lot of work on yourself before you actually are able to step into the role of being a coach and, and being a good coach. Yeah. Um, and so I've really had to get clear on what my gifts are and really step into those and embrace them. Um, Cause some of them I have been, I could, I, for a long time, I, I saw my ability to empathize and, and just be like, I, my husband calls me like a sponge. Like I'm an emotional sponge. Like if there's tension in the room or you know anything I get, I just, I soak it all in and it just drains me. 
And so that's something that I used to see as a complete negative that now I'm like, oh no, that allows me to really connect with people and to hear the things that they are not saying. And so it, it really does serve me in this environment, but it's taken me, you know, a, a while to understand what that means and then to be able to work with it. No, but that's, that's such a good one. Cause that's like the perfect example, right? It's sort of like a superhero skill that you don't know is a superhero skill. It's like, oh, wow, I'm really taking everybody and all their emotions really too seriously and seem to be getting very wrapped up in this. But then you're meeting with a client and it's like your instinct kicks in like this person is full of rage. They're not saying that, but I can tell they are. I can tell they're super pissed off. So now I'm going to ask them, what are you so pissed off about? You know? So that's a, that's a total gift. That movie, The Sixth Sense, instead, except I don't see dead people, but I like feel people's energy in that way to the point where I've always, this has always happened to me. So I'm that person that will take a seat by themselves on a train Uh and then like randomly, like somebody just sits down and starts telling me their life story. Like no matter whether it's a plane or a train, I I had one person, I was in college and this happened to me. And I had this business person on an Amtrak train as this younger woman who had been talking my ear off for two hours, got off the train. He stood up and he looked over and he said, you are a very lovely young woman. And he left the train and I was like, I don't know why this happens to me, but it happens all the time. And now I'm able to look at that and say, okay, thank goodness you're now using that, right? Yeah. Like you're- Yeah, if, you we, are, if people want to pour their hearts out to you, I mean, you might, and you want to help them. I mean, you might as well have that be your career. Right, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it takes a while to understand, like, no, that is a gift. And mm-hmm. I should, I was put on this earth to use that. Yeah. And if that's not somebody else's idea of, you know, what that means to be successful, shame on them. Or like, that's their own thing, yeah. right? Like, it, it is stepping into letting go of what all those messages are that we've gotten yes. so that we can stand confidently in those things that are uniquely ours. Well, it's also, it's funny too, like the way you're describing it. I feel like a lot of people come on this podcast and they tell me all these little clues, right? Like you're like, I love the self-help section. Now I'm in this jab at Google and that's kind of weird, but I love the self-help section and I just want to stay in here and read every book. It's funny, like you get, you're right. You get these little clues and then you're like, oh, I really love that. And like, why can't you love the career? Like, why do you have to have this part of your life be separate. Like, oh, I love self-help and I love helping people. But my job is I'm going to work at, you know, Target. No, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, or maybe you are manifesting it through working at Target. Maybe you're being the nicest employee of the world. You're the nicest manager. I don't even know. But you know, it's interesting to me. A lot of people separate. They they don't realize that they can love what they're actually doing. Mm -hmm. They think they have to follow their passions and pursuits like outside of their career. Yes. The other trap I will say that I see a lot of clients fall into when they first reach out to me is that they are looking for the job to make themselves happy, Mm. right? They are sitting there wondering, you know, okay, well, I'm at this company or I have this role. Why am I still feeling unrest or why, why am I so unhappy, unhappy, unhappy? Maybe I should go take another role within the company. And it's, well, let's look at you first. Like, what is it that's going on for you? Because so often we do look to external factors, in particular, yeah. our companies to make us happy when really it's 
gotta be the opposite. And hopefully you can find that at your company, right? Your company fuels your happiness, but your company shouldn't be your happiness. Yeah, no, it can't be. It can't be. Well, we're going to, I'm going to actually ask you more about that in a minute, but um, tell me the thing that keeps coming to my mind is people are so drained right now. Like we are so drained by so many things. So like you got somebody that you got these people who come to you and they can't quite figure it out. How do we, other than working with you, which we're glad to redefine possibility, let's work with Amy Young right now, (laughs) but just before we hire you, um, how do we recognize what is draining us and what is energizing us? And how do we put ourselves kind of like back on the list so we can redefine success? This is one of my favorite topics because at a very basic level, I think it's extremely helpful to understand that there's kind of two types of energy. There's catabolic energy, which is that just draining energy. It's like almost like running off of adrenaline. It's that kind of, you know, when you have that constricted feeling, like when your chest is closing up and you're just, you, you feel like angsty, that is very catabolic energy. Like you're in victim mode, like you're angry. You're just, why is this happening to me? Why, you know, versus anabolic energy, which is that fueling energy, right? It's like, it's expanding. It's when you have your shoulders up high, you have those in the flow moments where you're starting to see opportunities. So really thinking about energy in those two very basic forms enables you to start becoming aware of just when you're feeling constricted versus when you're feeling open. So that's honestly where I would tell someone to start would be whenever you're interacting with a person, whenever you're watching, you know, media, scrolling on your phone, what are those interactions that just leave you with that victim-y feeling, you know, whether it's anger or just you want to retreat inside yourself, just become aware, start by just, don't do anything yet. But start by just becoming aware of what those situations are. And conversely, those situations where you feel in the flow, right? Maybe it's you even take a look at your workday and say, okay, what are those activities that whether it's a meeting or an, or an action I take that I leave feeling better than when I started? Yeah. And I actually, I've walked around with a little journal and I write keep notes in it during the day or a voice app. If you're a more digitally focused person, it starts with creating the awareness. And then once you have the awareness of what's adding to and draining from your energy, then you can start thinking through how to add more of the anabolic and take away or create boundaries around how much catabolic energy. I was just going to say, what if you're working? I mean, you know, I'm not going to say this ever happened to me. (laughs) giving you the eye right now. What if you're working with a really hard personality and you have to work with this person? You have to work with this person. You do not have a choice. You have to work with this person. But the the catabolic energy stealing of this person, you feel like they're a damn vampire. How do you... So is that just boundaries that you need to set for yourself? Like you can't avoid this person. You have to work with them. But is that just putting a boundary on it somehow so you can kind of protect your energy? Yeah. So there's definitely, yeah, there's definitely boundary setting that needs to be involved. Two other things I would think about are, you know, one prior to interactions with this person thinking, okay, what is my goal from this interaction, right? The more you can go into the interaction aware of what it even has the ability of doing to you, Mm. the more you can kind of put up that wall. 
And then when you're looking at your schedule or your day, if this is, for instance, a scheduled meeting with someone, or you know you're talking to your mother, I love my mom if she's listening to this podcast, but (laughs) (laughs) you know, if you're having those interactions with people, take a look at that next 15 to half hour block after you're having an interaction and don't schedule anything there. Leave that time for you to fill back up your cup with whatever energy they went and drained out of it. Use that time to go walk across the street and get a cup of coffee, walk the dog around the block, put on music, dance, like give yourself that period of time afterwards to fill yourself back up. Those are the little things because you're right. There's people we're never going to be able to fully cut out of our lives. Yeah. So no, you we may have a family member like that. You may have a, you know, a friend like that, but you can't really like just kick them to the curb. You've got to figure it out. So yeah. yes, no, that's yes. a good, that's a really good point. And I like the, I like the whole, you know, putting it, filling up your cup afterwards, leaving that space. Um, yes. But how do we put ourselves back on the list, Amy? That's mm. a separate, really was a separate question. Because I feel like I preach this all day long, but I also forget to do it myself. Like it is the funniest thing. If, and, and I really have found that if I don't own my day, my day owns me. Like I have to get the hell up, plan out what I am doing, know where my hours are going, know when I'm going to be interrupted by my kids or we were regular life. So I don't get frustrated, right? Like I know they're going to come out at, at 11:45 and say, where's my lunch? Like I have mm-hmm. to kind of deal with that. So I have to kind of build my day around it. And then I got to build in things like writing in my journal or reading or things that I really, you know, walking in the sunshine. Like I have to build those things in or I will kill somebody. Yes. But I'm telling you, sometimes these days just get away from me or like, or we're just like, you know, there's just too much. Everything is just like coming or you're just like too low to even like put yourself on the list. So how, what are some good tips to like put ourselves on the list? Yeah, you're not alone. That's, I feel like, especially now during this time when, you know, COVID's been lingering on for nearly a year, um, many of us are just tired. We're, we're just drained, tired. And you're completely right that one thing is creating schedules and habits that help fuel us, whether that's waking up a half hour before our kids normally wake up and taking that time to journal, to meditate, to exercise, whatever that activity is, it is going to help get you in the right headspace. And just even that act of planning that time for yourself puts you on your priority list. Um, And then honestly, I would take a step back and think about, okay, what, what is my purpose? Like what is my ultimate goal? Like when I talked about that, like, what do you want to achieve when you're 80? right? Sometimes keeping that big picture focus enables us to just see the forest enough where we're going, okay, this is a moment in time. And you know what? If I need to stay in sweatpants all this week, like I'm going to allow myself to do that. But I know that that's not necessarily going to take me away from this ultimate purpose or this ultimate goal that I have or the legacy that I want to lead. There are things like When you schedule yourself, schedule your priorities first, schedule your me time first, right? I know women will be like schedule their whole day and they're like, and if I have time, yes, if I have time, I'll take a bath. Let me tell you something right now. You don't have time. So you might as well put that on the schedule, (laughs) make the time because if you're looking for the time at the end of the day, it's not going to be there. 
Yeah, you have to create it and you have to make it a priority. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I, mean, um, I, for do, me, that, I do that with this. I'm like, oh yeah, if I have time, like later at the end of the No. If I don't yes. say, oh no, 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 at you know, one o'clock or nine o'clock or whatever, if I'm not, if it's not on there, I, it's not happening. Yes. So to tie those two things together, I think when you tie together the priority, making yourself the priority with the ultimate purpose that's where the magic happens, right? Because if I'm creating the priority, but I don't really believe in the why or the purpose behind it, I'm letting that thing fall off my list. When one of my kids says they didn't do their homework or, you know, whatever it is, that's the thing that I allow to go. And then I turn around five days later and I'm a mess and I'm exhausted and, you know, and and I'm wondering why. But if I know that say, you know, that I'm a crazy running person, like if I know that I've put my goal of running my next marathon on my list three months from now, I know if I don't do this five mile run today, that I'm going to be miserable in my race and my race is going to be a disaster, right? I know that if I don't take this time to do this for myself, I am not going to achieve this end goal. I have found that people have the most success when they anchor their daily activities and priorities, especially when it comes to themselves, to a larger purpose or to a larger goal that will help keep them going. But what if you just want to get yourself to take a bath? (laughs) Then. Well, I guess you could anchor it to like, I won't be happy. I won't be a good mother. I won't be, you know, able to write or, you know what I mean? Do all the things unless I take Well, that's, and and, yes, that is very true. Like, for instance, I know I need energy in order to achieve the mission that I have in Redefine Possibility. And so if I'm not getting seven and a half hours of sleep, at least at night, I'm not going to have that energy and therefore I'm not going to be able to reach my goals. But to break it down to an easy level, I actually have something um, that I learned called uh, the creation of a top five essentials list. And that is like, I know what are those essential things that if I do not have them, I am not operating at a functional level. So mine are like seven and a half hours of sleep. Mine, uh, another one is exercise. I have to move my body every single day. I have to have connection with people every day, but I also need alone time every day. So very often, if I get to the end of the week and I am just feeling like a hot mess, I can look back at my top five essentials and say, you know what? I know I didn't do that every day this week. I didn't get that. I didn't get that. So it's very basic level. I think we need to boil it down to being very honest with ourselves about really what we need in order to operate and give ourselves that every single day. And for many, it is taking that bath time, right? It is whatever that represents for you. If that, if that is an essential, you need to hold yourself to that. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So what you talked about this a little bit, but I'm, I'm wondering what are some of the common things clients bring to you that they want to work on or problems they're encountering? I'm just curious. Usually it falls into two different camps. So one is people feeling very in conflict with what they're doing career-wise. So it's this feeling of like, I, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I really can't do anymore what I'm doing right now. So we walk a bit through why that is, you know, we go through a journey mapping exercise where we look at, okay, what are all of the rules that you've held in the past? what has worked, what hasn't worked, what can we learn from that journey of your past to help give you clues to how you really want to move forward uniquely. So there's a bit of that, you know, that career conundrum going on for people. And then others, it's, I don't know what happened to me. 
I have all these things going on and I know I have, I have so much to be grateful for, but I feel like I've lost myself in the process. And so it's a lot of people as well who really just want to get back to themselves and discover what makes them tick and what actually makes them happy again. And not from like, we get off track. How does this happen though? That we get so off track. Like, I think this is funny in a way, right? Because when you're little, all you do is think about all the things you like. You're like, oh my God, I love chocolate ice cream. And I love going to the zoo and I love this and I love this TV show and I love this movie and I love my mommy and I love my daddy. Like all you do is think about all the things you like. That's all you do. And all you do is ask your parents to give you the things that you like. And you may see the new thing on TV that you'd like. And so you're going to ask them about that new thing, right? 10,000 times. Yes. 10,000 times. So they get it. What in the world happens to us besides life? What, what do you think happens to us that we like literally can't remember what makes us happy? Like that we get so out of touch with that. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Companies spend my, my (laughs) here we go. Companies spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to hire very smart people whose job it is to trick you, to infuse your brain with messages on what you should be eating, what you should be wearing, what type of house you should be living in, what type of car you should be driving. The basis of marketing is to sell you the lifestyle that you should want to have. So at a certain point, we become a we we start to see other people and other experiences outside of ourselves, and we start to really internalize what those messages are. And I'm not saying all marketing is evil, but, oh, but really that's a really good point. Yeah, that's where a lot of this starts is we start internalizing those messages about what beauty is. Like I was just saying what all of these things are and we get to weed out which ones speak to us and which ones don't. And often it honestly happens at a subconscious level. And we also look at our parents, right? We look at our families. We look at the people that we surround ourselves with to see what's mirrored for us in terms of what does success look like or what, what does a good marriage look like? Right. What does, you know, what should I believe politically? I mean, so often we hear these things, you know, in our homes that we then end up assuming as truth that, um, that then we go on to, to live and either decide to break free from them um, or we decide to use them as truth to fuel our life decisions. You are really making me understand because I've heard this from a a thousand people and I just heard Glennon Doyle say it the other day. I posted the video because she was talking about how you cannot get anywhere without stillness. Yeah. You you just can't get anywhere in a relationship, in your life, nowhere. You can, and you even said, until you got still and quiet, you really did not know. Like, what am I doing right now? Like, what, what is my next move? Can I leave this job? What? What is next for me? Do I deserve to be happy? All those questions, right? But it's true. If you have all of this coming in, all this marketing, this scrolling on the phone, this television movie, your parents, whatever voices in your head, blah. If you don't, like this taking that stillness is loving yourself basically Mm -hmm. and finding out what makes you happy. That stillness is literally the gift of love to yourself. Yes. Completely. Completely. And there we go. There we go. (laughs) 
I mean, that really is the answer. I, 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 and I am not, and you know, it's funny, you and I have this in common and this is why I love you so much. We both are go, 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 girls. And we like to go and we're fun and we're funny and this until we're not. Until we forget to run or we forget to do the things that are the releases and we don't take stillness. And then we're like, you know what? Someone's not going to live through this day. And I don't know which one of you people it is, but it's going to be one of you. (laughs) So it's funny, right? Like, especially people who go, 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 go need that stillness. But all we do is try to avoid it because we're just going. (laughs) (laughs) So it is really hard. Oh, totally. I mean, I remember sitting at the conference before I left Google and I kept coming back to my family and just how important they are, were, you know, the whole, the whole deal to me and wanting to be more of a presence in my kids' lives. When honestly, that's a feeling that I've been ignoring for a long period of time, because I am so much more comfortable running a boardroom than I am a home. I love my kids. I love being a mom, but I've never felt a huge calling to do it. It doesn't come easily to me. I don't feel like it's a natural thing. And yeah. it's it, honestly, I, I had, I get, you know, very self-conscious about it often. And so the fact like this little, when I got still, this voice was saying, no, your work is needed at home right now. Yeah. Like, you have a lot of work to do. And a much bigger part of that is at home than you are actually doing. That was what came to me that first time. That, that I really allowed myself to be still. And it still comes up for me. I know that my work is not done yet. But now because I listened, I've been able to create a life and a career and still and have a presence at home. And I'm learning how to do all of those things so that I can have that type of impact that I know deep down when I allow myself to get quiet, that is what I really, what my soul really wants, really wants at the end of the day. I think that's a truth. A lot of women don't speak is that, you know, they don't feel supernatural being mothers. They want to be mothers. They're glad they love their children. They, you know, but that's not really their, their place where they feel like they really are rocking it. Right. Like they they maybe feel like, God, I'm failing. And by the way, that's not normal, even for the ones who are rocking it, by the way, to just feel like you totally messed it up. Like that's normal too. I think a lot of women feel that way and feel guilt about that. And I don't think you should feel guilty about that at all. But what I will say is that you do need to invest there because what happens is if you wait, if you realize that too late, they're older and it's really hard to unring that bell and get back in there with them and have a relationship with them. If you kind of keep putting it off and say, Oh, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. And then you wake up at their 16 and they're like, Oh, I'm going to take the keys to the car and go. I'm not actually staying home with you tonight. That's not happening. (laughs) So like, you know, I work really hard to try to invest even though it's hard as hell, invest yeah. in Landon and Caroline now um, and put my voice in their ear now because there's so many voices that are going to be coming in after me that mm-hmm. this is my time for me to put my voice in there and then to hear what, what my values are and what I, what I consider our family values and our character. Like that is like of utmost importance to me. And it's very hard because I'm fighting Zooms and friends and Fortnite and all these other a girlfriend and all these other things and friends and, and TikTok. <laughs> I'm fighting TikTok, but but I'm winning. I, that's all I'm going to say. I'm going to I'm going to win. Like if TikTok thinks it's going to win, it's got another thing coming because I'm going to. I just got the best visual image of you in your taco outfit, like oh, yeah. punching TikTok. Yes. Oh, I'm going to. You know what? That's my next thing. I'm going to do. I'm going to punch TikTok. <laughs> 
my taco costume. All right. Tell me, Amy, what is, I love talking to you, by the way, I could talk to you all day, but I want to know what is next for you. Like what's, you have something that you're doing that I've already told you I'm doing. So I really wish you would hurry up and do it because I'm ready for you to do it. But tell me what's next for you. What is your next chapter? Yes. I am so excited to be launching my next group workshop, which is called Breaking Free. And it is a three-month group workshop that is inspired by Glennon Doyle's work, Untamed, because like you, reading her words and hearing her speak about so much of just that idea of giving yourself the stillness, connecting with yourself. I mean, I could talk for hours and hours and hours about this book. That's how much I, I, I loved it. But this group workshop, really, it's like a book club on steroids in that you know we meet live every other week as a group to use the structure of her book to really do some deep intensive work on ourselves, to question a lot of those messages that we've gotten um, both at home and outside in the world about who we're supposed to be and really start breaking through those so that we can redefine our picture of ourselves and gain the confidence to lead an intentional vibrant life so that we don't turn around and we're 80 going, oh my gosh, I wish I had done more. I wish I'd had the courage to do more. I'm looking forward to bringing together groups of women who, through diving into the text, whether you read it already and you're reading it again, or whether you're reading it for the first time, who want to have deep conversations about the material and what it really means for them. I love the yeah. idea of the group because to me, that's where like the breakthroughs happen. Because even if you're not brave enough to share something that the book is triggering or it's one of your exercises, what's triggering, if someone else shares it, then you're like, oh damn, yes, that's me, you know, yeah. and you just can't help yourself. You end up being like, Amy, that's true for me too. I'm so glad you said that. You know, like you really, the group really, that group dynamic to me is gold because it's I magic. feel like someone says something in there and then I just want to be like, me too, me too, girl. Magic. And that is such a joy for me to just create that space and that forum for like-minded people to come together, to listen and to learn from each other. And, and in that process, you gain community, right? And you get to learn so much more. So this is just me on that path to create something bigger than myself by allowing people and especially women to step into their gifts and question the ways that they've been living their lives so that they can choose to let go of the things that just aren't serving them anymore. Okay, well, um, so I'm so excited to, to do this. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to put it in the show notes so people can know where to get involved. So we can either sign up for one of your groups or we can even bring you a group, I think. You will allow yes. us to do that. We can bring our own group or, which you know I'm already going to do, um, yes. or we can create a group or we can we can come to you and say, I want to do the thing and you put us in a group, right? Yes. Okay. Yep, absolutely. So either come to me with your own curated group of friends that you want to dive into the content with or, you know, reach out to me on my website and I, or DM me on any of my social platforms. Um, and I can put you, um, in your own unique group, depending on where you are, you know, in your life stage and what you're looking to get out of the program. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Okay. We're on to the speed round, Amy. This is like party time. Ooh, okay. Let me sit okay. up. Okay. Cocktail of choice. Oh God. I wish I had one right now. Margarita on the rocks with salt. Delicious. Mm. I agree. I can, I can, I can taste it already. Although I'm having champagne tonight and you know why, yes. um, mantra or quote that you live by. 
Yes. So I have two, um, which one I'm using much more than often these days. Just keep swimming from finding. Oh, I love that. <laughs> finding Nemo. I mean, in these tough days and like when I'm on a long run and I want to quit, it's just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. <coughs> Excuse me. And the other is from Untamed and it's, you're a goddamn cheetah because that is the way that I want to wake up. That is the way that I want to live. And it's just, that gets me going. I mean, I, that's a, remember when she talks about that, how she's jealous of that girl. Cause she's got like brass damn balls. And then she's like, what's wrong with you? That girl is living her best fucking life. Like that is what she's doing. She's a cheetah. I know. Oh my God. I love that part of the book. Okay. What simple thing do you do for yourself? A self-care tip. Are you, don't, please don't say run five miles. I'm not <laughs> like, seriously, I don't even want to know what your feet look like five miles a day. Good Lord. I don't wear open-toed shoes very often. <laughs> See, I knew it. Because my other friend, Sabrina, she runs too. And she's like, we'll be like somewhere. And she'll be like, my toenail fell off. And I'm like, this, this is why I don't run. I need all my toenails. I do not need one falling off on me. That's not okay. <laughs> all right, self-care tip. Okay. Stillness, whether it's five minutes or 10 minutes, whatever you even if you don't meditate, just allow yourself instead of scrolling on your phone, when you're in the car at a red light, don't look for your phone. Just be, just be yeah. and see what comes up for you. Okay. I like that. Cause that's simple. Even five minutes, you can do it. What makes you feel unstoppable? Oh gosh. Some time alone and some good music. Like just, if I am alone in my house and I can put on whatever music I want to, like, what uh, music do you put on? I have to know. Oh gosh. This I'll, really tell you I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. Go. Okay. Recently, it's been Body Like a Back Road. I what is that? It's a country song. expected that is hysterical okay body like a back road I don't even know what that is okay I'll send it to you I'll send it to you oh my but, god I'm yeah. dying right now okay well I I when I'm alone and now I've got my mom into it which is really funny actually like my mom's like what is this I really love this and I'm like oh my god is the Spice Girls there is something sing-songy and magical about a, a, a Spice Girls song and it's just peppy enough that it's not annoying it's just peppy enough my mother I swear we'll be in the kitchen we'll be like cleaning something she's like I love this like she I've got my mom hooked on Spice Girls. I don't know why it's come back. It's come back. Which Spice Girl are you? Oh, that's hard to say. I think I'm Jerry Hollowell. I think I'm like, you know, a feisty. I, think I could I'm see feisty. that. I think I'm I could feisty. totally see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that. What about you? Ooh. Probably posh. Because you're, oh, no, no, you're the sporty one. Uh, yeah, probably sporty. Yeah. Uh, no, but I'm, I, I know. I put posh and sporty together as the same person that I really. Yes. Yeah. If you could combine the two of them, I'm exactly. your baby. Yeah. Yeah, then maybe that's who it is. Okay. Yeah. Porty? No, Porty doesn't sound good. I need, I need a new, I need a new hybrid name. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. This is a hard question. This is a new one. Oh, what do you love about yourself? I love this question so much. Cause I could list 15,000 things. You're going to be the only one that loves it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love my ability to listen. I, I truly, I, I've, st I've fully stepped into that now. I think it's a true gift. I always thought that everybody had it, but I really, I, I love it. I absolutely do. That is a great thing to love about yourself and a great thing to actually have. You're right about that. That's what Brett said to me when my husband first heard me podcast. He goes, 
you really listen. And I'm like, I'm, I have no idea what they're going to say. Of course I'm listening. What do you mean? And he's like, no, you're really listening. Like you really want, I'm like, well, I'm very interested. <laughs> you say what they're going to say. But that was such a compliment to me because I was like, good. Like, cause I talk a lot too. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, it's such a gift for the person on the other end, because how often do you really have someone that actually ever listens to you, listens without judgment, listens without just waiting to respond. Right. I don't think until you really think about it, and look at conversations in that way, do you realize how little you have someone that really listens without their own you know, agenda that they're waiting to just insert upon you? Oh my God, that's so true. What is exciting you the most right now, Amy Young, redefine possibility? Yeah, so outside of my workshop, of course, just the energy that I felt today, I think no matter what side of the aisle you are on, I am a sucker for a new beginning. So whether it's a new year, you know, I am excited for us to enter into a new administration politically, but also a new climate around COVID. I really, really am excited for people as we start to hopefully enter into what is this back half of this journey, really allowing people to apply all that they've been through and the lessons that they've learned so that we can all create a more unified approach to how we're living our lives, both inside our homes and outside our homes. A to the men to that situation. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh, Amy, I have loved talking to you today. And again, I'd, I'd like to talk to you every day. I'd like to talk to you every week, every month, every day, but we only just have this one podcast, but you can come back because maybe we'll do something else with our untamed something. Maybe we'll do a little something with our untamed or if you're having any fun things you want to come back, you're welcome to come back anytime. That would be amazing. And I'm excited to come out to LA at some point this year. So I guess, yes, please. Yes. You can come right. I have a guest room. It's perfect for you. Okay. Thank you everybody for joining me today and joining with me and Amy. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a positive review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just have to ask her. Bye. Bye.